It's another bisexual brunch with Nikki Hodgson, Lewis Oakley and Ashley Byrne. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, then we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. So, yeah, another bisexual brunch. And uh, things have changed a bit in the past week. Um, For Nikki, um, you're married. I am! When did that come? I (laughs) think you were planning it at some point, but... How? When? When did all that come about? Well, basically, as a lot of people know, my wedding was planned for June. I was having a very big wedding. All my family were coming from all over the world. And then, of course, it got cancelled because of COVID. And then in September, we decided to sort of secretly rearrange a micro-wedding, as they're now called, for bonfire night. But as everybody knows, bonfire night, there was a new lockdown brought on the Saturday before bonfire night, which meant that we had to cancel the wedding again but we managed to bring it forward a day to the fourth just in the nick of time so the weekend was just absolutely insane I was like no this can't be happening again then we had a covid scare because a friend of ours had been in touch with us and then he'd been told to isolate and then I was like oh my god my husband now husband won't be able to come to the wedding but yeah it all turned out well in the end and we had a beautiful day at old Malabone town hall there were 27 weddings that day And so we were one of 27 and everybody was kind of throwing confetti on each other and all that kind of thing to help each other out because they were all just couples getting married with the minimum amount of witnesses. It was so, so lovely. And then we had a lovely afternoon tea and um, yeah, stayed in a posh hotel and then went into lockdown. So that's the story. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, of course, coming from Yorkshire, you probably, I'm not sure whether whether it existed in your part of Yorkshire, but it certainly existed in my part of Yorkshire. The 4th of November, was always mischievous day, wasn't it? So you've done it in a Yorkshire style. You've been a bit mischievous, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually quite... Yeah, it's what we used to call mischief night, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we managed to pull it. Yeah, it was. we initially codenamed it the gunpowder plot so that we could talk about it in public if we needed to. And then, of course, that got ruined anyway. But, yeah, for, the only thing that is funny is that my husband got the date of our wedding embroidered under the um, collar of his jacket, and it says fifth forevermore, so it's wrong forever. But... That'll just be amusing to us in the future. So it was a very private, um, small occasion. Um, do you think you missed anything from not having the the big, you know, the big wedding and all the all the trimmings and everything like that? I mean, what 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 have you what have you missed and what have you gained? Do you think? You know what? I actually think it came out for the best because everybody knows me. I love a big party and I love loads of attention and I love a big show, basically. So when I arranged this massive 120-person wedding, I thought it was going to be the perfect day. (laughs) But then just considering how much stress it was to just manage four of us and a photographer, you know, um, I'm actually so glad that it worked out the way it did because the other thing is that me and my husband got to spend loads of time together on the day really concentrating on each other having loads of time with each other that's not normally what happens to most people at most weddings and we're also going to have a massive party next year when everybody's finally allowed to travel so i'm kind of getting two weddings anyway so it's all, all very lucky does it feel weird seeing husband now 
yeah, and I keep saying it as often as possible to get used to it at the minute. I've, I've wrote it on the form in the dentist. And also, my I am a missus now. I've decided to be a missus, which is very controversial for the feminists listening, even for the old feminist me. I am a feminist, but, you know, I'm surprised myself I wanted to do it. And my name is technically Nicola Hodgson Ahmed. So I now have this really long, unwieldy name to bandy about for the rest of my life. And I did it in the dentist this week, and they got it completely wrong. And I was like, oh, right, this is what it's going to be like from now on. Well, my, my name, um, is, and it's nothing to do with uh, making it double barrel, but just having the name Byrne, spelt B-Y-R-N-E, gets them confused all the time. Byron, Bryn, nobody ever gets it right. <laughs> it, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, what a year for us all. Kids, marriages, one of us needs to buy a house. Oh, well, we're, that's the one thing we're trying to do. We're trying to do it, but obviously because my husband works in hospitality, there's loads of issues with lending us money for a mortgage because they think it's not a secure industry. There's so, three of us, it's been quite a year. Babies, marriage. Ashley, you battled COVID. Yeah, <laughs> Ashley's crazy. had COVID. <laughs> yes, well, you don't want that one. Um, definitely don't want that one. I've got, I've got antibodies now, though. And according to Hugh Grant, who says he had uh, COVID in March, and he's just had, a, had an antibody test, and he's still got antibodies. So that tells me that the antibodies do live longer than people think in some people so i'm praying that that, that will continue you grant a medical barometer now <laughs> <laughs> well he's moved from free speech to medicine i mean you can do everything can't you that man yeah well we'll, we'll be talking about free speech shortly actually uh, on, on this show but uh, um yeah i mean these changes in your lives um anybody listening to this would think it's all very uh, heteronormative isn't it really i mean what do you say to people who like to you, Nikki? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what's, what's the response been from your, you know, from all your, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying you've had lots of exes, but uh, from, from all your exes in the lesbian world, how have they responded? To getting... Well, do you know what? It's so funny, Ash, because the only person who has not been warm about it is my ex-girlfriend. And uh, I don't know what I don't know what that's about. I don't know what that means. I thought she'd be overjoyed for me, and you know we're still friends. And I thought you know she'd have, we'd have this nice rapport because I basically before I publicly declared it, I made a point of privately messaging people that I'm close to, you know, because I didn't want them to just find out on Facebook, even though it had been a secret. And um, she was one of them, and she just basically ignored me for about eight hours on WhatsApp, and then finally just said kind of congratulations, and that was the end of it. So I was really, I was actually quite hurt by her response, but maybe she was hurt by the wedding. I don't know. It's a bit of a tricky one. Yeah, she could have been, couldn't she? I mean, it could be two, several things, couldn't it? It could be that she still holds a bit of a candle for you, possibly. Could be, that could be. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. I, maybe she just felt like she should have been there, but I don't know. The thing is, we didn't have anyone there, so. No, that's true, that's true. But the other thing could be, uh, let's face it, could be that she thinks you've sold out. Well, I think she always thought I'd sold out when we split up because when she realised I started dating men again, that was always an issue between us. Yeah. Um, she's very firmly a lesbian and that's her, her identity through and through. It always has been. She's never been any, in any question about her identity either. Whereas for me, being bisexual, it's been more amorphous. Yeah. So yeah, yeah there, there is that to consider. But the other thing is, um, my husband has taken my name as well. So we're both Hodgson Ahmed, which I think is like a strike for equality which I really appreciate that he's done um, he did that completely of his own volition I didn't need to press him or anything he wanted to do that so that's really cool and also it's made me really think deeply about being bisexual more openly to more people because it's even more important to me now it's not that it's not less important it's actually become more so that people know who I am you know 
yeah. No, I understand that. So have we got to start um, referring to you now as Nick, uh, Nikki Hodgson Ahmed? No, not. I'm not going to change it for work because it'll just be so confusing. I mean, I know it's going to put the fire up some right wingers if they see I have this double barreled half Muslim surname, which I'm actually quite pleased about. Um, but <laughs> otherwise, I'm not going to change it for work. It's too you're much. Keeping, you're keeping your stage name. Then. I'm keeping my stage name. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, on that subject of, of, of selling out, as it were, I, couldn't, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, Nikki, that people would expect probably somebody like you to be thinking consciously about the whole issue of being bisexual and how this looks to people um, and how it's important for you to express your bisexuality. And Lewis, you're in a similar situation because people out there will criticise you for being in a sort of heterosexual relationship with a kid and being, you know, seeming a bit more generally heteronormative in the sense of, you know, you're not doing a great deal, you know, in, in sort of physical terms, I suppose, with on the gay side and all the rest of it. We've got to understand there are people out there that think like that, aren't there? The people, people actually see these things in that way. And I can understand it in the sense that you do feel sometimes as though you are, and whenever it's happened to me, um, doesn't happen the other way around, but when it happens on the straight side of things if i do something with somebody who's you know a straight woman or whatever you you feel that you're somehow betraying the cause as it were because this cause is you know the lgbt cause has been around for a long time you somehow you know as we say selling out you know what i mean so what i'm saying i suppose is really we we, we keep talking there's a lot of, about there's a lot of work just to do to understand bisexuality but that issue isn't going to go away very quickly is it because of what's gone before. What do you think? No, I, I think we're right where we need to be in history. I think this, this is it. Like being in an opposite sex relationship and being married and being in, a, you know, the opposite. That, that is what bisexuals look like. We're not going to be in an orgy forever or at all, maybe. So I think that that's the thing is what we need to really get across is like when you see two men walking down the street, don't assume that they're gay. When you see a man and a woman holding hands with their baby walking down the street, don't assume that they're straight. Like that's what we're getting, that's what we're getting across because there is this issue that, oh, well, bisexuality is only really talked about for young people because, you know, they, they are, you know, quickly, you know, going from dating one gender to the other or whatever it is because um, they're trying to find their partner and that somehow then when you do find your partner, you get married and you have kids that somehow, oh, well, they're no longer bisexual. I think that us being vocal about it and talking about it is proving like, no, your hormones don't die, you weirdo. You still have your attractions and you're still who you always were. It's just a different level because, you know, people want to settle down and their lives evolve. And I think that the next big discussion that we'll have, and I think the next big step in this is, how do you retain our bisexual identity whilst married and having kids? And, and what does that look like? Is it, you know, like me, sometimes you're a bit cautious of like, oh, if I come out to people at the school, will that then get back to my kids? And will they, will they then be bullied? And, and how do we deal with that? And that conversation progresses. And, you know, even on the marriage side as well, it's like, oh, how, how is it with your wife knowing that, that you find men attractive? You know, not an issue because I didn't marry a bifo. Um, but, but I think it's just the natural evolution of, of, of us pushing this issue forward. No, I absolutely agree with you. I, mean, I, was, I was playing devil's advocate, as you know. Um, but I will, what I'm saying is there will be people who think like that. And also, when we were listening last week um, to Ed, was it, who was saying that when he was uh, younger... He just felt that the easiest thing to do because he was in a 
heterosexual facing relationship was not to bother doing anything about the bisexual thing, not to talk about it, just to sort of keep it quiet because, you know, really it was easier just to, just to be seen as uh, being heterosexual. And what, what I'm saying is, yeah, we're putting our head above the parapet. If we're being honest, we're still a minority who are doing that. There aren't that many people who are doing that. We need more people. We need Joe Biden to mention bisexual in his speech, etc. Um, so what I'm saying is I, I, I admire your optimism, Lewis, and I think you're absolutely right, and we're right to do what we're doing. But we're a long way from that, aren't we, Nikki? I don't know. Yeah, we are a long way from that. I think, I think what we've seen in the past year is that in the media, in the general media, there's been a greater, the past two years, I'd say, there's been a greater occurrence of bisexual figures in kind of pop culture. But we haven't really seen anything match upon the policy side of things, you know. The, you know, these statistics about bi mental health, for example, have been around a couple of years now, but I haven't seen any concerted efforts to really address the issues, you know. So I think that this, we're in this kind of hinterland at the minute where people know that probably there's a bit more to be done, but then there's still this huge way of people that think it's already all been fixed. Well, somewhere where bisexuality seems to be being taken pretty seriously is in the um, Scandinavian country of, of Norway, where they've actually um, decided to ban hate speech there um, against bisexual and transgender people. So they've made a specific focus on bi people and transgender people which i think is really interesting um we can debate the whys and wherefores of the whole issue of free speech etc but that is um quite a development don't you think nikki i think this is wonderful this is really when people look at the detail and say it isn't just enough that we're using a coverall term that we think will make do for a bunch of sexual minorities it's actually spelling out who those people are so that those people cannot be objectified or uh, you know have violence done to to them so i think it's really really brilliant it's this level of detail that we need it's the level of detail that joe biden missed in the speech and it's that level of detail that will ensure that in the law you are always protected even if the rest of people think they know what something means if it's not written down in law you're not covered by it so yeah i think it's massively important yeah it's interesting that it's not really been picked up in many places in this country nobody very few of the very few outlets in the press have picked it up because I think a lot of the media just think of LGBT. They don't think of yeah. the separate bits. So I think that's disappointing. What do you think of it, uh, Lois? I mean, you think it's a step forward? I mean, I suppose my concern is on the free speech side of things. So if it's somebody doing something where they literally are inciting violence, um, then obviously that is really serious. But I do sometimes worry, and I've worried for a long time now, about the whole issue of just clamping down on people and what they say and some of their ignorance and things like that. Because I think, to be fair, we all, are, we all have little prejudices of some kind, you know what I mean, in different ways. It's well, things we learn. I, yeah. I, I admit and hold my hands up, I'm prejudiced against London cyclists. I understand <laughs> why they can't understand what a red light means. Why I have to jump out of the way pushing my baby because they, they're getting somewhere quick. Don't like them. I'm, I'm like that with car drivers. I don't drive, and car drivers drive me mad because, to me, they think they own the road, and they don't. Pedestrians are part of it as well. So, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's lots of prejudices we all hold. So I do worry about that in a way. But this is, I mean, I would think being a country like Norway, Scandinavian country, they probably take, you know, every case, um, case by case, and study it and, and, and all the rest of it. I can't imagine it's uh, going to be a case of throwing everybody in jail and throwing away the key <laughs> for very long. Uh, but it does send out the right message, doesn't it? That that that, bi that biphobia and transphobia is is wrong. You know, it's an interesting one. And as a as a bisexual activist, 
stuff like this that's uh, i probably annoy a lot of people i'm like i can't ever be like a, yes this is good or yes this is bad it's i think yes it is a good first step but i think that that it it's part of a wider discussion we need to have i mean I, I feel like for me this is not really the way i like to do things i always think the way i like to do things is empower the bisexuals that if they do encounter hate speech they are on it and they're ready to take them out themselves that said obviously there are sometimes people can't do that so we do need protections and in the interest of equality it's not really fair that gay and lesbian people are already protected by this law and that trans people and bisexual people weren't so an extension of the law is good i think what it all comes down to really is is how it's applied and that it's exercise of restraint so like looking at this it's saying that um people can be punished with up to a year in jail for private remarks and up to three years for public remarks. So you've got to, you know, and I'm sure they will, I'm sure they're not thick, but you know, I don't want to see anyone going to jail because they said, oh, greedy bisexuals to someone in their own home. You know what I mean? Obviously like there's levels of things, but I think it's quite, I think it's good that it, it shows we're taking this seriously and it's not a joke. So on that respect, it's really good. So I think it's all then about the application. And also the, the thing that I have always found um, as an activist when you're trying to challenge things is sometimes you want to, you need to be able to talk about things. You can't then be like worried about, oh, well, I can't say this area of it. We need to be able to discuss all of it. So sometimes I worry with, with laws like this, it's like, oh, but are we having to tailor ourselves because of uh, the lowest common denominator? So there are some stupid people out there that would just hate LGBT people that want to say nasty, vicious things. So we've had to bring in this law to stop them. But then does it stop people that are trying to have, you know, informed academic discussions about the way forward and sometimes have to talk about uncomfortable things in the interest of, you know, oh, okay, how do we move this forward? So it's one of those things where it's, for me, it's like a little bit gray. It's like, if it's applied right, fantastic. If it gets silly, it, I think it could have negative, negative consequences. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think, it, I think my worry a lot of the time, and it comes back to this whole thing of progress being gradual, is that I sometimes think if you, if you go too far too quickly and you start being really, really extreme with things, i.e. locking people up for saying a few things in private or whatever, you get the extremists on the other side um, starting up and making things worse. And we've seen that quite recently, you know, uh, with the rise of the right and whatever, who are fueled sometimes by some of the political correctness, which I'm not saying is, you know, I agree with most of it, but there's the way it's done sort of tends to lead to, to a backlash, which, which worries me. And I have to say, if that's the detail there, they're saying that, they're gonna, that people can be jailed for, um, for, for, for saying something in private, I don't think that matters. I think that's a little bit too far. I mean, what if, what if you know, I, I've got several gay friends who, who literally will always say to me, bisexuality doesn't exist. We're still friends, even though they say that. Bisexuality doesn't exist. You know, should they be banged up in jail for saying that to me privately? I think that's well, too far. I think as well, one of the things that probably is, is tricky in this situation is, is something said to cause offence or has someone taken offence? So in the UK, I think we did something similar a couple of years ago and it was, it was the wording of it that people took issue with, of like, oh, if someone perceives offence. Now, I, I think we all have different things where someone could say to me, oh, greedy bisexuals, and I could take that a different way based on who it is. If it's a new person I've just met and that's the first thing out of their mouth, I'm gonna get offended. If it's my best friend of five years who I know is making a joke, like, I'm not gonna be offended. So, so my being how it's perceived is also quite important. Um, 
and the intent is also important. So I think you need to look at those things. So I haven't seen anything about that in these articles I've read on, on this change in Norway. Yeah, and, and also the other issue, um, coming to you, Nikki, the other issue is that comedy. I grew up watching uh, people like John Inman and others, you know, Larry Grayson and all the rest of it. And I still find that comedy funny. And a lot of people find it offensive. Um, and I, ident I identified with it. I identified with those characters in different ways. Yeah, they were a bit camp, they were a bit over the top and all the rest of it. Um, but we as, a, we as bisexual people um, and gay people, everybody, LGBT people, have uh, got to have the ability to laugh at each other to an extent. And sometimes that might mean other people from outside being part of that. It does worry me, this sort of censoring of lots of different things. Obviously, hatred is a problem. Hate speech is a, a real problem, etc. But how do you, as Lewis is saying there, it's a thin line, isn't it? How do we get the balance right? And do you think they've got the balance right in Norway? Yeah, well, I guess it'll have to be seen, won't it? Depending on kind of what cases come to court and on what decision you know what decisions they make about why they were offensive or not and it will require a certain amount of nuance because if you think about comedy comedy is often the canary in the coal mine for free speech so somebody will censor a comic program before they'll censor a pamphlet or they'll censor a rant on an instagram video and the real issue with comedy is that comedy actually builds tolerance when it's good it doesn't incite hatred. It does the opposite because the whole point of it is if you're making a mockery of yourself, you're sending yourself up, you're saying, I know these are kind of the things that people say about me behind my back and I can play to this stereotype, but it's obviously ridiculous. You know, that's what I always, when I see a camp figure from, you know, the seventies or something like that, that's what springs to my mind. So yeah, I think it will really have to be on a case by case basis and it will be up to if it's a jury that's making a decision, just kind of how nuanced general society's attitude is in Norway about gender, about bisexuality, about orientation. That's what will make the difference. How good is the conversation nationally? Because it's one thing having a bunch of laws that you bring in, which makes you look like the most right-thinking country in the world, but are your citizens on the same wavelength? I'm sure we'll come back to that. And it'd be nice to actually hear from some people in Norway and maybe from some of the legislators to find out exactly how it's going to work. So we'll, we'll try and get in touch with some people in, in, in coming weeks. Now, um, there's been a study done in, I think it's in America, actually, about um, smoking and the prevalence of, of smoking amongst bisexuals. It seems to have taken them quite a long time to do this study. Um, and they basically, the upshot is that... Um, people who come out as bisexual after identifying as heterosexual and people coming out come out as bisexual after identifying as lesbian or gay consistently are more likely to smoke uh, than their gay or um, straight counterparts and of course this is put down to you know the distress that they 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 experience the confusion the you know the very general problems of anxiety etc um now I admire the fact that there's been a study. It's great to have a study to give us more evidence. I know uh, uh, Lewis will welcome it because he loves his statistics and his, and his evidence, as it were. Um, but I don't know about you, but I could have told them that without them having to have a study, that bisexual people are probably going to be more distressed and more, uh, and more anxiety than most people because of the fact that they're juggling all these different things, you know. And I, you know, I'm not, it's, it's, it's another country, it's not in the UK, so I'm not, I can't criticise, you know, funding and all the rest of it, I know it's different in different places, but I would rather the money be spent on trying to help um, bisexual people who are coming out, who haven't got anywhere to go and nobody to talk to and don't know where to, to reach out, etc. 
than having something telling me something that I really already knew. What do you think, Nikki? Yeah, well, the one thing that worries me about this is imagine if we then start creating some kind of chart that says that most of the smokers in a certain area tend to be bisexuals and then they're taken in, this is in America, right? So maybe they're taken into hospitals and there's some kind of funding given to treating them for any smoking health related conditions that they get. But the, the, the primary factor that kind of overrides the reason they've been a smoker is because they're bi. To me, that's asking for a whole lot of prejudice against them as a group. So I, I don't know, I, I find that a little bit dangerous almost in that kind of labeling. It depends what happens to the research and in whose hands it gets. It's always one of those kinds of things, isn't it? But if it's, if it's a, a gateway into doing more study about the mental health of bisexuals and maybe the substances they turn to in order to kind of give themselves a crutch, then that I think is really positive. It's just, it just depends on, it might just be that it's actually really easy to get money for anything smoking related because of all the other associated health conditions. It, maybe, maybe it's just that simple and that's why they've done it and now they're hoping to build on it, which I hope that's, that will be the outcome. Yeah, I just think, why did they bother? I mean, what do you think, Lewis? You're a smoker. I'm not a smoker, I'm a vapor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only vape, it's all, it's all good. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, look, to summarize all the research I've ever read on bisexuals, bisexuals tend to do worse in about every way we measure success, unfortunately. What I think is important is that there's follow through on this research, which is what I've never really seen done well. Which is like, okay, if you're saying more bisexuals are at risk of smokers and then that gives them higher risk of other health-related issues because of what smoking does, then you then need to have a targeted health campaign that speaks out specifically to bisexual people, um, convincing them to quit. Um, and I've never seen that done well because it's like, okay, well, where do you go? Like, where, what are bisexuals reading? Where, where are they going for, for drinks and stuff? Because that's where you need to put these messages. And it was, I think we were talking in our last episode around um, HIV and, and the, the good work that was done there to get in front of men who have sex with men and say, look, here's some condoms, here's the risks, like, and here's some targeted health campaigns to get, this, get you guys thinking about it and, and get things changing. I've never really seen that done in any, in any sense well for bisexual people. I mean, if anyone disagrees, you can feel free to tweet in and we'll talk about it next week. But um, I, I, don't, I don't feel that we've seen anything like that. So for me, I know that it's like, oh, why has this money been spent there? I don't really care about that. I care about, well, what's the follow through then? Don't just come, and, come out and be like, bisexuals are more likely to smoke, you know? It's like, do something with that then. And again, we'll try at some point to uh, get the researchers to uh, uh, come onto the show and explain themselves sometimes with each other. You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch Podcast. From the creators of Bisexual Brunch. Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving 40-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes! Good boy. You just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong. Masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Not Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. 
I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Listen by searching for the Distinct Nostalgia podcast or visit distinctnostalgia.com. we got to do something about your voice, kid. We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Louder. Ah. Louder. Rock. Winner of the BBC's first ever online audio drama award. Look, Dale. I'm dying of this godforsaken disease and... Pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. Hello and welcome to The Likely Dads, a new series that looks at parenting from the paternal perspective. I'm always wary of people who plan kids. If your life's that structured, <laughs> stay away from me, we're not going to get on. <laughs> a brand new show from the team behind Bisexual Brunch. I'm Tim Vincent and each week I'll be joined by my fellow Likely Dads, Mick Ferry and Russell Kane, as well as a series of special guests to discuss different aspects of fatherhood. When a man has an urge to have a, a child, it's not spoken about much, women sort of own this area. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be like the old films I watch where I'd just have a pipe and I'd be in a study. You're just going, you're going to see your father now for ten minutes. <laughs> Hello, children, what have you been up to today? I'm not interested. All right, off to bed. An MIM production for BBC Radio 4. We hope you'll join us and subscribe to The Likely Dads on BBC Sounds. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So it's time for this week's personal story. And we've been talking to Alan Edwards, who runs a group called Nottingham Bitopia. He's been telling us all about the group, but also about his own personal bisexual journey. So I'm 28, and I first realised that when I was 19, though I think on self-reflection and looking back, I think that part of me was always there, but I suppressed it very much during my teenage years, uh, thinking that was something wrong with me that best ignored so at the age of 19 I realized I was bi and accepted it that I was bi and and identified with the term bisexual. Well there's one thing identifying yourself as bisexual and the term bisexual the next step though is doing something about it isn't it I, I, I you know you need to tell somebody about it so you can engage with people about it obviously you're trying to get in relationship and then you've got a, the whole thing of being able to you know be open with somebody about it I mean, how did that go for you? Or did you decide right at that point, right, I'm going to be completely open, completely honest, upfront with everybody? Or was that a journey in, in, in itself? It was a journey that has taken me up until earlier this year, um, a very long and slow journey. So the, the, for me, it happened in several steps, I think, like with many bi people. So the first person that I felt able to tell was my partner at the time, who I'm still with, who is a, a woman and, and she's bisexual herself. And part of the reason that I was able to tell her straight away when I realized this part of myself was because I knew she was bi and therefore I didn't feel like I had to worry that she would misunderstand it or think it was something else because it was something that she identified with. So I told her and and she accepted that very matter of fact and and it was a very easy coming out to her. I, I think the next people I told were a very, very small group of close friends uh, interestingly actually a couple of them later on turned out to come out as bisexual as well so that was quite interesting and then I didn't tell anyone for a good number of years then fast forward to the end of 2015 and I, I, I decided I, I had had enough of hiding part of who I am from everyone so being in a relationship with a, a, a woman everyone read me as straight and, and one of the crunch points for me was when very benignly a colleague at work referred to me as a heterosexual man 
and, and he didn't know any better so and, and didn't mean badly but it, it actually hurt me that someone had thought I was something that I was not so I decided I wanted to be more visible uh, and I thought well okay from now on I'm not going to hide it if anyone asks me I, I will tell them which in, in effect makes very little difference because on a day-to-day -day basis not many people ask you by the way are you bisexual I, I also decided that I wanted to see if there were other bi people out there because I knew a small number of bi women, my, my partner and a few friends, but I didn't know any other bi men and, and that was quite isolating for me. So I just went on Google and I, I lived in Nottingham at the time and I just Googled Nottingham bisexual and I came across a group called Nottingham Biotopia and I went along to one of their socials and I met a bunch of other bi people from all walks of life of all genders and, and it was the most wonderful and reassuring experience ever to be in a space where everyone else was by and just be able to, by being in that space they knew I was by I didn't have to tell anyone I didn't have to explain myself and, and, it, and it was an amazing experience yeah very I mean very it must have been very liberating to have that experience just going back to the to the, the early days did you know your partner was bi from the very beginning when you first started dating her? Or? Pretty much from the get-go, she was open about that. And um, to her, it was never a big deal. So it was not a, she, she didn't have any weird coming out. It, it was just, she was bi and she was open and upfront about that from day one, pretty much. And how did you feel about that at the time? And did you have, did you, have you know, prejudices that had been that seeped in that from other people and other sources? You know, did you ever think, oh God, you know, she's bisexual, she's going to, you know, split off with loads of women and not be committed to me and all that kind of stuff. You know, the usual thing that people yeah. tend to think. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, if I'm very honest, we, 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 we met when we were 17 and um, I'm, I'm not proud of it. But what my first thought when I heard was, oh, isn't this fantastic having a, 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 a bi um, girlfriend? Um, and I'm not proud that that's the first thing I thought. But, but that, that is, um, what, what, as a 17 year old, um, first thought that crossed my mind it never occurred to me to be jealous or anything so so you came you came out to her and did she and she suspected that you might be bi did she ever tell you whether she thought you whether she'd seen signs or or anything i think so i think she had just on a hunch suspected uh, that i wasn't 100 percent straight but never said anything never challenged me or anything it was purely that it came from me and telling her and her seeing it as no big surprise Obviously, you've been in this heterosexual-facing relationship. What I mean is, you know, for most people out there, they'll think of you as being heterosexual, being a straight man kind of thing, because you're in this relationship with a woman. And the same, they'll be thinking the same thing about her as well. Why is it important for you to be able to express yourself and explore and tell the world that you are bisexual? I mean, I don't know whether you're in a... Um, an open relationship, a monogamous relationship, an adventurous relationship, I don't know. But, you know, why is, it, why is it important for you to, for people to think of you and to know that you are um, bisexual within this relationship? I think, and it, it grew over time, so at first I thought, why, why does anyone need to know this is personal, this is, is, is effectively just a, who I'm potentially attracted to and, and not much else. But it, it was important to me just because it felt like a, a part of my identity and a part of who I am and I've, I've got better words to explain it now than I did then and, and the way I would explain it is to me being bi is not just about um, who I might potentially be in a relationship with or, or have um, sex with it, it's a part of me that goes far beyond that it sort of affects who I am as a person how I see the world how I interact with people and so 
the way I would put it now is if you don't know that I'm bi, you don't really know me as a person. People, people take things very literally, don't they? That's the, that's the issue, which I think is... Uh, Absolutely. And it's, it's bothered me for years that, that if I come out to people as bi, all they're going to think about is who is Alan having sex with or thinking of having sex with rather than how else might this affect Alan and the way he interacts with people. Um, for example, um, I have many, many close friends, or in fact, most of my close friends are women. And I think the reason I have those close friendships with them, and they, they are you know, very close friendships, uh, a lot of mutual trust. Uh, and the reason I think I'm able to have that relationship is because it, th th there is no awkwardness that, that people imagine with a, a man being really close friends with a woman. They, you know, a lot of people stereotypically think that you know, that's awkward. What if, you know, what if one of you has feelings for another? And it, that, that's just never present. And in a way, I attribute that to me being bi because I could have that close friendship, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Now, it seems to me that, you know, I'm, I'm nearly, 20, nearly 20 years older than you. <laughs> so I had slightly different experience in terms of the whole uh, coming out side of things. It strikes me that to an extent, I hope, things are getting easier for people. And, you know, if you say you buy, generally a lot of people are not bothered about it in in that sense but good in a way isn't it and i'm thinking now more about you running this group and and at what other people have experienced as well it's good in a way that people aren't bothered but the, it's a twofold thing isn't it for bisexual people because in a way we want people to be bothered because we want people to understand what bisexuality is and to realize what we're about because really as you're well aware there's so much invisibility and erasure, whether that's through prejudice or ignorance, probably a bit of both, that, you know, it's fine for people to be okay, but in a way, we do need people to, to talk about it, understand us a bit more, don't we? So what's generally the experience of the people in the groups that you've run and been involved in the group you're in now? Are there lots of similarities in terms of the way, in where, you know, where they've come from and where they are now? Kind of thing. Yes, so I think my overall observation of other bi people that I've met through the group I run, and I, I've met quite a number of bi people, is I would broadly put them into two groups. Those who came out when they're young, so by that I'll say under 30 in, in my position, and they have various struggles, but generally it's manageable because uh, their peers are more likely to understand it. And then those who come out older, and I've, I've met people who've come out uh, sort of upwards of 40, 50, even in retirement age. And that can be quite challenging because their peer groups, even where they do accept it, are not used to, it, it comes out, out as unexpected because they have an established life, sometimes a family, uh, a job, and, and it can be very difficult for those people to come out. And, and it takes a lot more effort and courage on their part and they go through a much more challenging journey. If you're expressing that kind of thought and feeling and process of, of, of coming out, being excited about it like you were when you were a teenager at 45, that's going to pose a few issues, isn't it, for people kind of thing. And, you know, and, and yes. that's, that's where I don't think, and it's been interesting to see what you, what you think about this running a group, and I'm sure you've supported people and helped people through it. But generally, uh, you know, a bloke of 45, who happens to be realising finally that actually he doesn't have to be pushed into 
the gay world or the straight world and he is genuinely bisexual, there aren't many places to turn, are there really, to be fair? No, there, there aren't. Often the group I run is the only place that they think of turning. There is nowhere else they can talk to. There is no other support available, as far as I'm aware. And, and even the support that is available officially, I suppose, through the LGBT groups and world and whatever, you know, because obviously there's some official groups and things like that, we, we've still not got to a point, have we, where things are really targeted towards the, the needs of people who identify as bisexual. Because, and, and the, I mean, I understand in a way, I mean, we should have got there by now, but bisexuality, let's face it, is very complex. Your bisexuality is not my bisexuality. We're all very, very different in terms of the way we see the world. And I suppose, you know, it's, well, the world's not very good with complexity, is it really? No, I, I think that's uh, completely true. I, I think mainstream LGBT groups are well-meaning and, and my experience of dealing with other parts of the LGBT community has always been positive. But I think in terms of providing the support to a bi person who might have spent years going through lots of confusion and difficult feelings, and I just don't think um, a generic LGBT group is equipped to deal with that. I think only a bi group with bi people that understand the complexities of bisexuality are appropriate place, uh, are appropriately placed to provide that kind of support and, and uh, understanding that, that people might need. So your group itself, uh, it's been going for what, five years, I think you said. Um, so the group was founded in 2014. Yeah. I first started joining it in late 2015 and I took over the running of it in August 2017 when the, the person who was running it at the time uh, got too busy with their life and looked for someone to take it over and I'd been there for a couple of years so uh, I took it over and my partner and I co-run the group together. Fabulous. So tell us a bit about the group. How, what's it made up of? How many people are in it? You know, what do you do? You know, do you just get together for socials or, you know, what, what, what kind of things do you get up to? So the, the group is called Nottingham Bytopia and it was, we, we meet, we used to, so, so I have to differentiate between pre-COVID and, and the new normal. So pre-COVID we used to meet once a month on the second Thursday of every month in a pub called the Lord Roberts pub in Nottingham, which is a, a gay bar in the more um, LGBT accepting part of Nottingham and, and was generally quite a good venue for us to meet up and we would meet up there. On, on a Thursday evening, every second sec Thursday of the month, yeah, often until the pub kicked us out and people could just come and go. So on an average night, we would have around about 10 people there, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. And I would say about two thirds of those were people I knew had seen before, in some cases came every night or, 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 or came every now and then. And then about a third knew people who hadn't come before. And, and everyone was welcome. So the socials were advertised uh, on, on flyers that we put all around Nottingham, on, on Facebook, on our Twitter page, our WordPress page. And any, anyone can come for as, as, as long or as short as they like. And it's just a generic social. And that was the, the main thing the group does. Then we, we did other one-off things. So in 2017, for Bi Visibility Day, we held a panel discussion. So we, we rented a room, had a panel of three by activists, and people could just come and... and ask questions and, and take part in the discussion. That was a very well attended event. And then afterwards we had people just hanging around a bit for a, a chat and exchange of ideas. And then the one other thing we do uh, through people we've met through this group is uh, on Holocaust Memorial Day, which falls at the end of January, my partner and I always light a candle at a memorial event on behalf of the LGBT community. And the last two years I've held a reading 
about uh, the effects of uh, persecution on the LGBT community, both historically and in the modern day. What do you do if you get come across somebody who has got some specific problems around, you know, things that relate to being bisexual or whatever, mental health issues, whatever it may be, because of course we know mental health is a major problem amongst bisexual, bisexuality, more so amongst bisexuals than lesbian and gay people, apparently, according to recent studies. You know, on the, on the more serious side, are there things you can do or do you point people in different directions? You know, are there any examples of, of where you've been able to help anybody? So you, usually just in the form of listening and talking. So people can email us as well or message us. And, and I have had one-on-one conversations with people that had their own, usually where it was just a level of uncertainty um, that, that might, may have been born out of, of self-doubt or feeling that there's something wrong with them or there's that there's something unhealthy about the way they feel and it's uh, just providing reassurance but uh, and and we have had members usually who are trans who relating to their trans identity have experienced all kinds of harassment and again we, we we're not a formal sort of victim support type organization but we do listen and we talk about that we give people uh, advice in the friendly ear as best as we can because we're, we're very sympathetic to especially the people at the intersection of bisexuality and, and being transgender have a particularly difficult experience sometimes. I, I don't think the people we see at our group, sort of 10 to 15 per time, are representative of all bisexual people in the Nottingham and East Midlands area because we're, we're the only group in the East Midlands that meets up regularly. So to my knowledge, there are no groups in Derby or Leicester, so we sort of pick up their bi people as well. And I, I can't believe that that's the only bi people out there that's the only bi people who have availability to come to our meetups uh, and, and, and feel a need to have that group. So I, I'm always thinking of ways to pick up more people, but it's a little bit of a challenge because beyond putting out that the group exists, it can be difficult. So we're, we're listed in various places. We're listed in by Community News, which is a, a print magazine um, and also a website. We're listed on Nottingham City Council's website. I think we're even listed on Nottinghamshire Police's website as a, a, a community group. So we're as visible as we can possibly be for anyone that would want to find a bi group. And, and as I explained earlier, when I Googled Nottingham Bisexual, I found the group straight away. So I'm very keen to be able to be, to, to reach more people. It's just a challenge of finding the right way to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And do you find you get much support from, you know, the official LGBT sort of um, groups or sources in that particular area do you know have you managed to work with them on anything or or is it is that quite difficult i've found it difficult so um, put it this way uh, we have asked nottingham city council one of our members has in the past on by visibility day to apply a pride flag from their building which uh, a by pride flag which we didn't think was an unreasonable ask and and we were sort of ignored so uh, certainly um I, I feel that more could be done from uh, official sources to support us. And in terms of other groups, there, there are Nottingham-based LGBT groups that, that include a listing for us and, and include us in their communications so that, that we could reach out to if we ever need any support. Though I've, I've tended to see our group as just doing our own thing to support the bi community. Uh, I've, I've not actively got that involved with other groups but we we are aware of them and they're aware of us um so just a final question we're often doing things around bisexuality and moaning about you know invisibility and you know bi erasure and biphobia and a lot generally think generally but 
there are lots of things to celebrate about being bisexual, aren't there? And and what do you think when you think about it? What's the what's the nicest thing? What's the best thing? Do you think about being bisexual, being able, being attracted to different genders um, in in different ways? What what's what do you think is our raison d'être, our, our our advantage, as it were? To me, I I think it's just uh, that I feel I'm more open-minded than I would be if I wasn't bi. I can see the the world and the way I interact with people, both in a, in a relationships and, and just in a general day-to-day sense. To me, is it it just feels like I have a, a, a more clear and open perspective than I I might otherwise. And and the way I put it is, I I personally don't think sexuality is a choice, but if it was, I would still choose to be bisexual. <laughs> Absolutely. I wonder though sometimes whether we're in the wrong period for being bisexual at the moment because the fact the world is so binary about everything. Lefts, rights, rights, wrongs, cancel culture, blah, blah, blah. You know, for some reason, it seems we've got to 2020 when you think we'd be more sophisticated than ever and we can't do nuance anymore. It's, uh, it's weird. Although I think the media's got a lot to play, got, got, got to, lots to blame for that, to be honest. It's, it's problematic. Um, the media has not always been great with bisexuality. Uh, I, I think I, I remember one thing that struck me, and I, this is very specific but it struck me that um, if you remember during the coalition government, there was a minister called Chris Hewn, who was one of the Liberal Democrat ministers, and he, he had to resign because he got his wife to take speeding points for him. And all the media articles would mention that his wife was bisexual, but it was completely irrelevant because it had no relevance to the story. The, the fact is they did something illegal. Her sexuality was of, of no relevance whatsoever. And it just frustrated me because you wouldn't get that with a straight person. You don't say this minister whose wife is straight committed this criminal offence. But because it was by, it was almost like the implication that that, that made it a bad thing. And you know, it's, it's small ways like that that I think the media is to blame because they never said anything by phobic, but simply by including that information, it, it had a negative connotation. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Well, Alan, thank you very much indeed um, for talking to us. Um, it's been great to hear your, uh, your personal bisexual journey, but also... Um, what you've been doing with the group uh, in Nottingham. And um, uh, can you let us know how people can get in touch um, if they want to, if they're in the East Midlands and they want to, um, they want some support or they just want to uh, meet new people? Uh, how, how can people get in touch with uh, uh, Bytopia? It's Nottingham Bytopia, again, one word, at gmail.com. And anyone can email us, find us on Facebook. Uh, they can also find us on Twitter at not n-o-t-t-m bytopia and there is a wordpress page though and to my shame i've not been updating that very assiduously alan thank you very much indeed thanks and after the break nikki lewis and i will be talking about some of the issues that were brought up by alan in that interview you're listening to the bisexual brunch podcast I've had mental health problems, I think, for most of my life. Suicide is sadly something which affects people from all backgrounds. My friends didn't quite understand why I was being the way I was being, so support was was pretty much non-existent. A brand new podcast 
brought to you by the Zero Suicide Alliance. I'm Professor Alice Roberts and this is Life Matters. Few people understand that you just actually just need to just sit and listen to what the person's saying. We do know that there are some people who tend to be more at risk than others. In our feature on the latest initiatives from around the world, we find out how three schoolgirls from Brazil have developed a suicide prevention app aimed at Generation Z. If something bad happened to me today, I'll go there and add a drop of water. We're with the team at Hollyoaks to hear how they've been showing how soap can inspire life-saving conversations among men at risk of suicide. I just feel absolutely nothing at all. Nothing, just dead. This way you get to see Darren's journey behind the scenes. He's really struggling and he doesn't know how to reach out. He doesn't know how to get help. You know, it's always been this taboo subject. Join me, Professor Alice Roberts, for the very first edition of Life Matters. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts and visit zerosuicidealliance.com for a free online awareness course that could help you save lives. Coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. Do you want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup. And that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think. It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy creating a model of a vagina and showing it to his mum and thinking that that's going to be okay. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband and their mixed-race family growing up in Salford in the early 1970s. A clash of cultures and generations ensues. Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life. But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him, and I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, I can't believe you've made this film. It's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nickel and Chris Bisson as we mark this classic British film's 21st birthday. It was a great script and it was a timely thing to tell because it hadn't been told before. They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. East is East at 21. Coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. Yes, welcome back to Bisexual Brunch. In a moment, we'll be talking all about Alan Edwards' personal bisexual journey story and the things that he raised uh, in that interview uh, with um, myself, Nikki, and Lewis. But before we do, I just want to um, turn your attention, basically, to um, the last trail that you heard there in the in the break, uh, which was for um, an East is East special series on East is East, the um, uh, groundbreaking 1999 uh, British film comedy film but actually with serious undertones it tackled very serious things like domestic violence and racism as well uh, we've done three special interviews with uh, um, three of the stars of that Linda Bassett who played mum uh, Leslie Nickel who played uh, Auntie Annie um, <laughs> to hilarious effect and uh, Chris Bisson who was one of the, one of the kids in the film um, 
I highly recommend it. Um, great interviews with all three of them, uh, which reveals some really interesting uh, things about that film and about its meaning and it, the meaning that it still has today. So if you get a chance, um, go to Distinct Nostalgia in the next few days. I think it's probably going to go out uh, um, next weekend as a special series um, of interviews. And um, yeah, enjoy. Um, some great stuff on Distinct Nostalgia, by the way. And uh, that's also where you'll find uh, Rock. Uh, the drama all about um, Rock Hudson, the American uh, Hollywood film star who was uh, um, sort of manufactured because, of course, Rock Hudson wasn't his real name. Uh, you can find that there as well. So anyway, um, on to uh, Alan Edwards' um, personal uh, bisexual journey story. It was great to hear from Alan and, of course, hear about his group as well in Nottingham. Um, and we'll talk about that in a moment, about the whole thing about, um, you know, turning up at groups and, and finding out groups uh, when it comes to uh, being bisexual, whether they're a good thing or a bad thing or or, or whether we're indifferent. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. But one of the things, uh, Nikki Lewis, that um, Alan did talk about or did mention briefly, if you noticed, was the fact that he admitted that when he first realised that his uh, girlfriend was actually bisexual, um, the first thought he had was, ooh, <laughs> you know, um, I've got a bisexual girlfriend and we know exactly what uh, uh, the connotations of that are when it comes to a lot of um, uh, straight men in particular, but obviously bisexual men as well uh, to some extent. And the question I want to ask, controversial question, um, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having um, or admitting that you might find two women uh, getting it on attractive? Is that a bad thing? Should straight men, should bisexual men not have that thought, uh, not convey that. Um, what do we think about that? It's not a problem being honest. Actually, most people get themselves into relationship problems because they're not honest about what they desire or what they want to do. Now, everybody obviously has an individual sexuality and they decide how much of that they want to share with other people. And on a day-to-day -day level, if you're with your partner, you're not going to go walking down the street and saying, oh, she's hot, he's hot, what about that one? You're not going to do that. It's just extremely offensive, actually, if nothing else. It doesn't credit the person you're with, if you're monogamous. So, you know, I, of course, I have no problem with him being honest about where his desires are. What I've in the past had an issue with is when people have then tried to do a bargain with me about things that they want me to do in the bedroom, etc., or with them and somebody else. That's the bit that irks me. It's not the admittance of the desire. What do you think, Lewis? Yeah, as long as you can find consenting people that are, want to go in on it with you, like, why not? Everything's cool. Yeah, well, that, well, that's the practical side of things. And obviously these things happen all the time. But what I'm, what I'm supposed I'm trying to say, is it okay in the society we live in, because everybody in society today gets judged on what they, what they say and what they think all the time, the think police, you know, you know, should, you know, is it a problem for us to openly admit, is it a problem for a man to openly admit, a bisexual man or a straight man, to openly admit, actually, you know what, I quite like the idea of two women getting ill. It depends who you're admitting it to. If you're talking about going on Twitter and saying it, you pro like, you know, there are probably going to be people in the world that have an issue with anything. And if you're only focusing on the people that didn't agree with you and the people that um, had an issue with what you said, then of course, like, if, that, if that's your definition of blowback, then you'll find it on any topic, on anything. It, you know, if you say it to a bunch of straight men that feel the same, you're not going to get any blowback or bi men that feel the same. So I think it's, it's an interesting one because right now we talk about controversy in the world and we talk about the backlash and the thought police. But I think, you know, it's really just about mainly social media, mainly Twitter, where it's like, well, yeah, if you say something to, you know, how many people are on Twitter, like a billion or something, you know, there are going to be people that will disagree with it. Um, so I think it's about kind of like us with bisexuality, right? Like we're, we're not ashamed of our sexuality. It is what it is. 
There are people that have issues with it. We don't care. We're going to carry on as we are. And if, if we're talking about this one isolated section of men that find two women together attractive, yeah, there's going to be people that aren't cool with that. But as long as you're like, well, I'm not hurting anyone. It's my interest. I've had women that have been up for it in the past. Then it's fine. And what about two men? We never hear any talk about women liking the idea of two men getting it on, Nikki. What's, uh... Oh, well, I freely admit that. Oh, I'm sure I've done many a time. In fact, one of my first questions to anyone I used to date was basically, are you bisexual in the hope that, you know, so I've been as bad as the men that did it to me, I suppose, if you put it that, if you put it that way. <laughs> Although, no, of course, it never feels that. They always just think it's cheeky and a bit of a strange question to ask. They never feel offended by it like the way women do because they haven't had to carry the burden of continuously being asked about their sexuality in order to perform, right? Anyway, that's my little feminist two benefits of the day. Um, Do you think it is popular amongst women, though? Do you think there are women out there who actually... Oh, yeah, because actually loads of straight women watch gay male porn. That's really, really common. That's a really common common phenomenon. I can't get the word out today. Um, And I think... I think it's much more common than people would admit to. I think they think that they can't ever really mention it because most straight men are just so adverse to it and they would never, you know, not that they'd ever want it as an option necessarily for their own relationship, but they can't even mention that they might like it because I think they think they'll be perceived as quite strange and maybe a bit perverted almost because I think we are still that backwards about women's desires. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like, that's the root of the issue that you're trying to get to, isn't it, Ash? It's kind of like, um, you know, men are benefiting when there's two women involved, but is it women that are benefiting when it's two men involved? So if you've got, say, for instance, two straight men, they're not getting any enjoyment out of the other man being there. It's only the woman. And then, oh, what are women sexual? Oh my God. Um, so I guess maybe that's the, that's the issue we're trying to get to, right? Is, is it okay for women to have sexual interests? Yeah, it, 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 There's still that lag there, right? It is, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I've always suspected that women were interested. I mean, the, there's, a, um, there's a little group set up called Ballum, which is on the internet quite a bit at the moment. It's basically, it's to do with Ben and Callum, the two, um, well, one of them is bisexual, I think. We're not sure. But the two gay characters, roughly, on, on EastEnders. And everyone <sighs> likes the two of them together. And the women respond a lot on Twitter around this. They, they really are interested. They really like following the exploits of, of Ben and Callum. Now, it might not be sexual, it might be more of an affectionate thing or whatever, they like two men together. But that just shows you there is, a, there, there is an interest there. And it, yeah, I've always suspected there was, but that's why, I mean, it was just interesting to ask uh, Nikki because it's not something that ever gets any real exposure. You don't hear about it as much. You don't, it doesn't get talked about in the same way. You can't write about it. I remember when I used to have a sex column for men's health and I would pitch them basically my fantasy pieces quite routinely. There were things that we had to cover. And I remember that they, they asked me to write a piece that was about how to date a model. And I just said, no, about, about how to date someone you like <laughs> and are nice to. So I let them do that themselves. But then I pitched them a piece, which was basically about how to have a threesome with two guys if you're a straight man. And they were like, no, 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 the readers will never be into this. The readers will never be into it. And then eventually I managed to work it into another piece I wrote about uh, BDSM. And it was one of the most popular pieces that was ever written because people clearly had nowhere to go with it. Like they didn't know what to do about it. They never had that conversation. They didn't have any guidance around it. It's much more common. And increasingly for men that are, um, you know, that do believe that their female partner is entitled to her pleasure, why wouldn't you do something for somebody if they really enjoyed it? Women have been doing that for men for centuries. <laughs> so why can't it be the other way around? 
exactly, exactly. Well, um, Nikki, you're, you're following your your new tradition of uh, revealing something new uh, about your life <laughs> in each episode. <laughs> Last week it was the strap on. <laughs> oh, that's not, that's old news, Ash. Old news. <laughs> but it's uh, it's great. I think it's great that we can be all very open. Let's put it that way. And as we said last week, you know, we're just having a personal conversation. Remember, nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's listening. Exactly. <laughs> now, Alan um, obviously runs a group in in Nottingham, and um, he was telling us about that group and how uh, they've been running for. He's been running for a few years now. Took it over from some other people, um, and they get. I mean, obviously, nothing's happening at the moment. They're, I think they're meeting over Zoom and things like that. But generally, they get maybe 10, 15 people turn up to the uh, to the group. And it's probably, I think it's the only one in the sort of the, that East Midlands sort of area. And Alan was admitting that, um, you know, he knows there's a hell of a lot more people out there. Um, but the only way they can, at the moment, is a limited way they can get to people is through, you know, having obviously something on the internet. And 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 you know it, it's hard to reach um people who are bisexual or in different relationships and things who probably are reach you know wanting to reach out and wanting to speak to people and it's really 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 difficult i just thought i'd reflect we'd reflect finally in in this week's show on how we came out and whether or not we were ever tempted to sort of try and find um a bisexual group and if we did what we thought about it um i mean i i suppose I was just always work mixing generally in LGBT circles. Um, and so it didn't, I don't know, it's weird. I suppose I just always thought, naively at the beginning, I think, that LGBT circles or LGBT groups, LGBT organisations would support me in some way, shape or form. It only became clear much later on that actually that support doesn't really exist. And what was interesting in that interview we just heard, of course, is that um, he was saying how difficult it is for them to... Um, get the local authorities to allow them to fly a, a bi flag. And again, you know, we were talking about Joe Biden the other day. We've got so much work to do in getting bisexuality, you know, above the radar. But what about you, Nikki? How did you sort of, did you ever go to a group of any kind? Did you ever search one out? Well, it's funny that you say that because first of all, I didn't really think they existed, what I was looking for, for me. But secondly, I met you, Ash. And we started, I started coming on your radio show. And that, for me, was my group. That was my acceptance. Interesting, interesting. Oh. Yeah. Oh, very good, very good. I feel very proud. <laughs> you should do, yeah. Because I always felt like, I felt like I'd found a home. When I listened to that radio show, you talked about things that resonated for me. It was totally tolerant across the yeah. whole spectrum of letters. Yeah, you yeah. know, you had people from all walks of life on every single week. And I was just like, yeah. They're my people. That that makes sense to me. Exactly. What about you, Lewis? Did you um, did you manage to go to any groups or search any groups out? No. You know, it's really weird. I haven't really thought about this in years since you've just asked. And I have, I'm trying to think back to my experience back then. I don't think so because I think at first it was like, oh, attracted to men. What does that mean? Everyone around me that that means that they're gay. And and then kind of figuring out actually that's not how I feel. And then just kind of being grateful that like oh, there's a place where the men and men attraction is fine. And then kind of being like, well, there's a straight world too. And then I guess never really daring to, uh, to think or ask, like, is there a place where there are other people like me? Because I remember getting really excited the first time I met another bi guy who was horrible to me. <laughs> um, so, and then, you know, and then it's very, it's very strange, right? Especially on the bi male front, because there's only 12% of us out. Um, 
so the the general experience for the majority of bisexual men is to never discuss it, hide at all costs. Um, so then the, the the ones that you do get coming out sometimes they're it's 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 different you know what i mean whereas like being gay and going to a gay club that's quite across the board a lot of gay men will do it but it's only really certain bisexual people that will then will come out and then will go to certain groups um and you know and sometimes it's like you're trying to force a friendship with people that you don't really have anything else in common with and i also think Bisexuals have such different experiences. It's so it's so varied when you think of like, oh, the average gay man has a, quite a lot in common with another average gay man. You get the average bisexual person with the next like, average bisexual person. Like that, that, that can, the experiences are too different to to really have anything to to discuss other than discrimination. Um, I, I it's think a weird I, one. I, I, I think I'll rant now, but I, but I, no is my answer. I didn't really seek out any groups, and the few I've been to like since like they, they've been great and great people but i haven't really found any deeper understanding of myself there yeah i mean it's interesting what you say about people not having anything in common i always found that a lot of the time actually with gay groups in a way because i found like, well it's, i suppose it's like with anything isn't it if you're shoving people together just because they've got one thing in common then likely it is they're not gonna have other, lots of other things in common you know um it's like expecting all women to actually enjoy being with women you know what i mean we know full well, don't we, Nikki? A lot of women don't enjoy being around with women. Look, I went to a girls' school. It was the nastiest, meanest, bitchiest place that you could have anticipated. And that's just because they put a load of women together, honestly. I loved it, but, you know, it was still a horrible place to be a lot of the time. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting on the group side of things. You and I visited a group in Birmingham, didn't we? Uh, mm. And uh, that was, I thought that was interesting um, because they were all lovely people and, and they're all very different. Um, but it struck me there was a certain type, and I don't want to be—I'm not—I don't want to offend them at all in this way. But they—I'm well, not going to offend them actually. I, I, they, all this is positive. They were—they were quite well together in terms of their thinking, how they knew they'd already thought about their bisexuality. They were intelligent. I would say some of them were fairly middle class, etc. It, it felt as though it was on a different level than the than than the average level. Do you know where I'm coming from? What do you think? I think they were all people that had already thought about what it was to be bi and they all had some very nuanced thoughts on that. Whereas I think if you're looking for a group where you're going in kind of to really experiment, then it, that might not have been the group for you in some ways. And I'm wondering if those groups exist where people are all kind of just trying to figure it out together. Because in my experience, you always need someone who's a bit more senior to kind of help you in, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think... I think um... For a lot of people, probably a lot of men, uh, probably more so than women. And again, I'm being I'm being prejudiced there and, and being stereotypical, suggesting that women aren't as in sex as as, as as men are. And of course, they are, Nikki. We, you're proof of it. Um, <laughs> um, I think for a lot of people, um, you've got these groups where people these these online dating groups. You know, um, and there's several of them that are out there that people can meet and. Have basically have sex and I think a lot of it certainly on the male side probably comes through that direction do you know what I mean um, yeah. probably doesn't end up in fulfilling long-term <laughs> relationships it's probably just a bit of titillation do you know what I mean um, that's an interesting area to look at we should look at that actually because I think there's a lot of that going on that would be quite interesting to to explore I think you've got you, you, you've got knowledge in that area haven't you Nikki? I do. I do have a bit of knowledge in that area, mainly because one of my friends owns uh, a threesome app 
And I think we could probably get him or one of his uh, associates to come on and talk about the app and how they, you know, how it works by people. And my background is all dating apps. So I think we should definitely do a dating app episode and maybe get some people on from the apps to come and talk to us about how five people find their apps. Yeah, because often I've seen these things where there's, there's often people are, are wanting to meet other people or, you know, they, they might be a couple or what, a man in a relationship or another woman in a relationship or whatever. And because, but of course it gets very complicated because sometimes the couple, you know, one of them's bisexual, but the other one might be straight. So you've got all these, all these barriers to work out and limitate, you know what I mean? Really, really quite complex in a way, actually. Um, so, so yeah, it would be really interesting to do that. Let's, let's go there. We must do dating. So we'll yeah. do a dating show. Definitely, definitely. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. Right, I'm going to go do my fitness videos because Corinna's taking too much from us. It's not taking my abs as well. <laughs> your abs are fine you showed us last week <laughs> yeah but he's got it he's got to maintain it ash he's got to maintain it <laughs> this program is an mim production remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts